Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of If You Smell What the Arch Is Cooking. I am your host, Archie Mitchell, and we are back with another episode to give you all of the modern product news that has been going on. That's right. We've got the quick hits. We've got the highlight reel, and we've got the low light reel coming up for you tonight. Uh, and we're in the middle of the WWE draft. We are on the road to double or nothing for AEW. And a lot has been going on in other companies as well, such as Impact, MLW, you name it. So whatever has been going on, I'm here to tell you about. So what I want you to do is go ahead, buckle up, strap in, crack open your favorite frosty beverage as I spew my venom, my hate, and my love for the world of professional wrestling. And let's go ahead and dive into some quick hits. Starting off with number one, Mercedes Monet loses the IWGP Women's Championship, that's right, this past weekend at a stardom event, Mercedes lost her championship to a well-known Japanese legend. I cannot pronounce the young lady's name. I believe it is Iwatani. I'm not exactly sure, though, ladies and gentlemen. But, yes, she did lose after a 15-minute match. Uh, She went on to say that she's still rich and she still intends to be with the uh, New Japan uh, family. Uh, She has signed a contract extension, and she will be there a little while longer. Now, what's interesting here, and you can knock me if you want, and this is not me just trying to pick on Sasha Banks, a.k.a. Mercedes Monet, but her biggest criticism and her biggest problem when she was in the WWE was that she could never hold a title longer than a month, two months' time, never get past a second title defense, sometimes in some cases a first title defense. Well, she was the IWGP Women's Champion for around two months. She defended the title once in a triple threat match and then lost it in this matchup immediately following. Um, It's like the grass isn't always greener, Sasha. You know, you you bitched and moaned that the WWE was not booking you correctly, that they weren't pushing you to the moon and you weren't the face of the company. Well, guess what? When there are other women in that company, whether it be IWGP New Japan, uh, Impact, AEW, or the WWE, sometimes you've got to share the spotlight. And I don't care if you think you're the next John Cena or the next Rock or if people should be saying your name in their same praises. It's not always going to happen. It'll be interesting to see what happens from here on out with Sasha Banks and if she gets the notoriety that she deserves. I, for one, though, since the walkout, have not cared about her or her former tag team partner and best friend, Trinity Fatu. Now we'll go ahead and get into her because she's a part of quick hit number two. That is right, ladies and gentlemen, Naomi, a.k.a. Trinity Fatu, debuted this past Thursday for Impact Wrestling. She made her in-ring debut in a promo and talked about everything that's happened to her over the last couple of months since her walkout since not being hired by any other company, her contract just expiring from the WWE. And then again, as I said, no other companies really offering her anything, but that her wanting to come to impact because it is where the best women's division is. Now I was a Trinity Fatu fan. I thought that she had a great move set and I thought that she was doing fantastic in the WWE. I mean, how could you argue with two SmackDown women's title reigns? And then a SmackDown tag team title reign, a women's tag team title reign as well. But apparently she felt she wasn't being booked correctly and she walked out with Sasha Banks. Well, 
after months of indecision, now she is with Impact. And again, I'm not a huge fan of hers anymore since her walkout because she thought that she deserved to be given a better, uh, you know, push. Uh, but she was the reigning tag team champion, so I just really didn't understand why they felt they weren't being pushed the right way. And uh, now she's in Impact because her best friend did not get her a job in New Japan when she jumped there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what is next for Trinity Fatu. Will she be amplified and pushed to the uh, Impact Women's title? Or will they allow Deanna Peruzzo to use her as a stepping stone, as Deanna has done to so many other great women's champions in the past? I am a Deanna Peruzzo fan. And uh, I think that she is uh, a great face for the Impact brand on the women's division side. So if they choose to stick with her, that's fine with me. Number three, Chavo Guerrero says that he's tired of people like Rey Mysterio prostituting the Eddie Guerrero name. And that if Rey is going to continue to make money off of the Eddie Guerrero name, that he would like for Rey to donate some of that money to charities and to Eddie's own daughters. I have a problem with this, ladies and gentlemen. And here's why I have a problem with it. So indulge me just for a moment. Everybody and their mother has used Eddie Guerrero's name in the wrestling business since his passing. Vicky Guerrero has never once said that anyone is using it incorrectly. Uh, in, you know, using Eddie's name to continue to build his legacy and give him as a remembrance. She has never once condemned anybody and said they're making light of Eddie or that they're being disrespectful in any way. Um, Chavo Guerrero, in my opinion, is bitter. Chavo Guerrero never has a job, no longer has a job with AEW because of what's going on with Vicky Guerrero's daughters and with Eddie's daughters. Um, he no longer has a job with any wrestling company. He's wandering, and now he's pissed off and feels that Ray using the LWO and Eddie's name is disrespectful. I, I see wrestlers that were not even around during when Eddie was wrestling and were not even, you know, never even talked about Eddie at any point in their careers to say, oh, well, Eddie helped me here or Eddie was a great, you know, inspiration or anything, that during an Eddie Guerrero celebration or his you know, his anniversary or birthday, that look up, point to the sky, do the shimmy, and then do a frog splash. Sasha Banks has been doing it her entire career. Chris Jericho does it every anniversary. You understand? Mexican wrestlers, Lucha Libre stars have been doing it constantly. Dominic Mysterio, who was close with Eddie, because we all remember the Dominic on a pole match between Dominic and Ray has done his best to live up to the Eddie Guerrero legacy during his feud with his father. So for Chavo Guerrero to say, oh, well, Ray should donate and Ray should give to the Guerrero family and Ray should do this and Ray's despicable and people are disrespecting the Guerrero name. Chavo, you yourself used Eddie's name to get yourself a push in wrestling. Whenever you have ever cut a promo in this business, you have managed to mention Eddie's name, and I know he is your uncle. I know the two of you grew up with, like, brothers, and I know that you are doing it to be respectful. But for you you're to condemn people for using Eddie's name and say that they only used it to glorify themselves and to push themselves and to make money off of it 
is ridiculous because you did it as well. Eddie Guerrero was a treasure to all of us. And I am not the biggest Rey Mysterio fan on this show anymore. I have never beloved or said how much great, how great uh, and how much I loved Dominic Mysterio is. But for him, Chavo Guerrero, to condemn them is ridiculous when Eddie Guerrero was a part of their lives. So shame on you, Dominic. And shame on you for the words that you said. All because you and your family are going through a little bit of something right now. And you feel that someone isn't doing anything more than they have already tried. And finally, number four. Thank you guys for putting up with my little tirade there. Number four, CM Punk was backstage at Raw this past Monday. That's right, you heard me. And at Impact Wrestling this past Thursday. Now, it's no secret. I've talked about it on the show before. CM Punk is set to return to AEW and be the mainstay and face of their new Saturday collision show uh, on TBS and TNT. Uh, So with CM Punk getting ready to make his return, it's a little weird that he's popping up in his former places of business and, uh, you know, shaking hands, making friends again, apologizing to people and trying to be all nice and nice. Uh, He showed up on Monday Night Raw. Backstage, obviously, was never in, you know, on camera or anything like that. He spoke to Triple H. They shook hands. He made amends with The Miz, and then he was asked to leave by Vince McMahon, in which he did. He did not take his time. He said his goodbyes and walked out. Over on Impact on Thursday, he actually stayed for the entire show, donned a hat and glasses, and sat in the arena to watch the show. Uh, and was seen backstage, seeing, talking to people, shaking hands, making conversation and whatnot. So this is all a little weird. We're wondering if CM Punk is maybe trying to uh, make his name good in wrestling again and make amends with everybody who's been condemning him in the past, or if this is Punk's way of possibly getting more money from AEW when his contract is up and he can negotiate again. I find it crazy. In a world where CM Punk, a couple of years back, would not step foot in a wrestling arena, would not deal with a wrestling company in any way, shape, or form, and said how bad wrestling was, uh, you know, for him and his family after he left the WWE, to now be showing up at every wrestling major wrestling company in the United States is incredible. It's a wild time to be a wrestling fan, ladies and gentlemen. And if you're a CM Punk fan, I'm sure your heart is racing and waiting for his imminent imminent return. So that's going to do it for the quick hits. And with that being said, let's go ahead and turn to the highlight reel. And we're starting off, as always, with Monday Night Raw. And number one, Cody Rhodes and Finn Balor's opening promo. Absolutely fantastic. Finn kind of made you think that Cody had no other option but to join the Judgment Day. Cody being Cody, (laughs) made you think that he was going to possibly join the Judgment Day and then said, you know what, thank you very much, but no. Cody very much so wants to be the World Heavyweight Champion, and that showed again this past Monday night. He wants to be the Undisputed Champion. And this promo set up a matchup for later on this evening, which I can't wait for. Number two, the LWO versus the Bloodline. Wow. 
the Usos and Solo Sokoa as a tag as a six man tag team is fantastic. The brothers did a wonderful job. Uh, Finn Balor, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, Dominic Mysterio and Damian Priest do make a hell of a tag team. You know what I mean? You've got that young, quick, unbelievable presence from Dominic, and then the monstrous heel, seven almost seven footer. Uh, on Damian Priest. It was a great back and forth between everyone involved, and I enjoyed it very much so, uh, you know, between all four of these individuals. Number three, Triple H announces, get this, ladies and gentlemen, a new World Heavyweight Championship. And in my opinion, the belt is not bad. It kind of looks like a created championship from a WWE wrestling game. But it also looks like if you took the big gold belt from WCW and put a WWE logo on it, uh, he mentioned that the championship will be uh, fought for and crowned at Night of Champions in Saudi Arabia. And, uh, yeah, I wish it wasn't happening there. I hate bloody blood money pay-per-views. But whatever the case may be, I am happy to hear of a new world heavyweight title being made and being crowned. Uh, a lot of criticism has been made, though, towards this. One being it's the runner-up championship because it's for anyone who couldn't beat Roman Reigns. It is the sucker prize. It's the secondary title now, and it's just a lot of hoopla. I, for one, don't see it that way. They want to make history with Roman Reigns go right ahead, but USA is clamoring for its own world heavyweight title. So for all and by all means, Go ahead and make a new championship to keep both cha uh, channels that you're on, both cable companies that you're on, keep them happy, and move forward with your product. And finally, number four, Cody Rhodes versus Finn Balor delivered. What a main event. Both men had a hell of an outing here. Uh, Finn Balor looks like a million bucks again since he's been winning and being pushed correctly. A loss to Cody does not hurt him here. Cody looked absolutely great in the ring as well. He is fully healed after his concussion, and he is back at 100%. So it's going to be really good to see what Cody Rhodes could do from here on out. And it'll also be interesting to see if the uh, Judgment Day uh, is pushed after Cody Rhodes, uh, meaning is this a feud that we could see going forward. Moving on to NXT, uh, we had Carmelo Hayes. Versus Grayson Waller for the NXT Championship. This was the NXT Spring Breakout Show. Uh, Hayes and Waller did a fantastic job, although I don't think they should have went on as early as they did. I thought this match should have been the main event, but they still had a great outing. 22 minutes, both men going back and forth, not stopping at 100 miles an hour. Great job by all. Hayes gets the win. He is the face of the company. He is him, ladies and gentlemen, and I, I definitely do agree with... Um, Hayes getting the win here and having a great outing. Number two, uh, Braun Breaker attacking Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. Braun went through uh, Andre Chase earlier in the night, and then uh, Hayes, after his match, called out Braun Breaker. Braun came out, destroyed both Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes, and then put Carmelo through a part of the set uh, near the stage. It was a great brawl. And I like where this is going as they continue the feud between these two great wrestlers. Uh, number three, Briggs and Henley versus Jensen and James. It was actually a pretty good mixed tag. And I like the fact that they are ending this feud 
uh, because it looks like uh, Jensen and James are finally done dating. So I'm assuming Henley and James will have one more match, and then we can go back to just Briggs and Jensen being a regular tag team. <laughs> but I doubt it. Uh, number four, the main event of Indy Hartwell, Roxanne Perez and Tiffany Stratton for the NXT Women's Championship. Indy got injured during the match, and then people are saying that it made the match drag after that. It was a little weird. Well, no. Uh, when a wrestler gets injured, it's important that everyone involved is still stay safe and that Stratton and Perez still went on to have a good match. They did. Indy did a fantastic job before she got injured, and then the other two carried on the match perfectly. Indy got the win. These three women set a, a tone for what I believe women's wrestling should be from here on out when it comes to the NXT Women's Championship division. Great job by all involved. And then number five, Tony D and Stacks disposing of Pretty Deadly to end NXT Spring Breakout. Uh, it was... I didn't like the match all that much that they had with Pretty Deadly earlier in the night. It was the opening match. It was that trunk match, uh, which is kind of like a casket match, but you've got to secure your opponent or opponents into a trunk. A little funny, a little goofy, but nothing great. But the ending segment, seeing them basically throw these two guys into the water, mafia style, and then their their verbiage and everything about becoming the NXT Tag Team Champions moving forward, it was great. You know I've never been that big on Tony D and Stax. I make fun of Stax's name being Channing because I've never heard of a Channing in the Mafia. <coughs> but whatever the case may be, this was good comedy. Good way to end out the show. MLW, uh, once again this week, was strictly one match because it was the MLW Battle Riot match, which is their Royal Rumble. Uh, only it is 40 men. It was actually a really good matchup. Alex Kane entered at number one, and then the surprise entrants were as follows. Willie Mack, Ricardo Rodriguez, Taya Valkyrie, Duke Josie, and Gene Stinsky. It was a big old mess of a match. At times, there were 10 or 11 people in the ring, and then one big guy would come out and knock everybody out. Uh, then there was down to two or three people, and then right back to seven or eight again. It was It was a great job at that Battle Royal slash Royal Rumble feel, though. MLW did a fantastic job. It got down to Alex Kane and uh, Davey Boy Smith Jr. And Alex Kane, from the number one spot, lasting over 52 minutes, got the win and uh, secured himself a shot at the MLW World Heavyweight title uh, moving forward. The one thing I will criticize, there was no mention of Alexander Hammerstone and what might happen to the MLW title. Uh, if he his injury is bad or if he needs any surgery or anything like that, there have not been any mention anywhere. Now, that makes me wonder if this was a work or a shoot and if he's possibly going to pop back up next week or maybe on the season premiere because they're, they're getting ready to re-up their season over there on reels or whatnot. But whatever the case may be, Battle Riot did a great job, and I enjoyed watching it for that full hour on MLW. Now, moving on to AEW Dynamite. And uh, we've got Orange Cassidy versus Bandito. This was the opening match for the International Heavyweight Championship. And wow, you know, I say this every time. Orange Cassidy is a comedy actor. When I see him with the International Heavyweight Championship, I get a little bummed out. But then he goes out to the ring and he delivers. The guy actually can wrestle for all of his putting his hands in pockets and slow kicks and lazy movements. He does a fantastic job. 
he and Bandito deserve recognition for this matchup, and it was fantastic. So way to go. Cassidy gets the win and uh, is still the international heavyweight champ. Number two, Jeff Jarrett versus Dax Hardwood. I, I couldn't believe um, that Jarrett was actually still able to go that well in a singles match because we've seen how tired he looks during tag matches lately with Jay Lethal. But he kept up with Dax the whole way, and Dax looked fantastic as well. 15 minutes of these two guys going back and forth, and then Jared pulls out a sneaky victory over one half of the uh, AEW World Tag Team Champions. Great matchup by all. Um, number three, Sammy Guevara versus Darby Allen. Again, the ending was a little wonky, you know, in the... Oh, Darby cheated and hit me with the skateboard, but you didn't see it. But he's holding the skateboard, so disqualify him. Uh, it's sometimes like this that I wish we had a replay rule in wrestling because that, that ending, as great as it is, and it's the Eddie Guerrero crazy finish, you know what I mean? It just gets a little boring because, I mean, you're taking a heel's word for it when you look at it uh, on paper. Um, but in any case, Darby Allen got the win, and then Tony Giovanni took the mic and said that Tony Khan is thinking, and he wants a Pillars tag team match next week, where it'll be Sammy Guevara and MJF taking on Allen and Jungle Boy. And if Allen and Jungle Boy can win, then they will be inserted into the World Heavyweight title match, Double or Nothing, where it will then become MJF, Guevara, Allen, and Jungle Boy in a Pillars Fatal 4-Way for the World Heavyweight title, which I want. I've been wanting this since this whole thing started about four weeks ago. If that is the case, I'm all for it, and I think it's a great job. If not, and we end up still with MJF versus uh, Sammy Guevara, I'm cool with that too. But it'll be interesting to see what they do next week on AEW Dynamite. And finally, number four, Roderick Strong debuts during the Adam Cole and Jericho Appreciation Society brawl. Um, yeah, Adam Cole came to the ring, calls out Jericho after the heinous attack on Britt Baker last week. Jericho says he's not going to come out, but he sends out the JSA. JSA get to beating the hell out of Cole. Out come Cassidy and Bandito to help out a fallen friend. That's not working. It's still five on one. And then out comes Roderick Strong, who we all thought was still under WWE contract at NXT. He makes the save. And then Roderick Strong and Adam Cole end up embracing in the ring. That's right. Part of the Undisputed Era is back in AEW. Um, of course, Kyle O'Reilly is still uh, rehabbing an injury, and Bobby Fish is on the outside looking in because he was let go by AEW. They did not renew his contract. And now we wonder what's going to happen with Roderick Strong. This could be interesting. I think it was a great coup in getting him on the roster, and I'm wondering where they're going with it. So AEW has me asking a lot of good questions here. And then we move on to Friday Night SmackDown, where the WWE draft starts. And uh, here's what we got going. Number one, LA Knight versus Pete Dunne. Incredible way to open the show after the first draft announcement. Knight and Dunne went 21 minutes and had a spectacular outing. Knight got the win, which was surprising because LA Knight has not beaten anybody in the last couple of months. You know what I mean? But it was a great match done using that uh, joint manipulation. Uh, Knight pulling out all the stops. Great job by all, uh, and a great opening matchup. The LWO then went at it with the Street Profits and Braun Strowman and Ricochet, which is a little weird. We heard that Strowman was concussed, but I guess the big man got cleared to wrestle. 
Really good three-way matchup between three great tag teams. Street Profits got the win. And, uh, yeah, tag team wrestling is alive and well, in my opinion. And I like that. But I just wish that our next uh, wrestlers were actually defending the titles against somebody new next if they uh, keep the belts after this match. Uh, because the uh, next matchup is uh, number three, Zayn and Owens defending the SmackDown and Raw tag team titles against the Usos. Really good matchup, but a lot like their WrestleMania match. It was almost like to put a carbon copy of the matchup on regular normal television instead of pay-per-view and on Peacock. But what have you, it's going to happen. You know what I mean? When guys get used to being in the ring with each other, they're going to have the same match. It's normal. Zayn and Owens got the win. They are still the SmackDown, the SmackDown and Raw Tag Team Champions. The Undisputed Tag Team Champions is what I mean to say. And, uh, yeah, they keep the gold and, and move on. Uh, and now, like I said, it would be interesting to see the Street Profits get a shot or the LWO or even Braun Strowman and Ricochet. Or how about the Viking Raiders or the newly re-brought back club who are now on SmackDown. There are a ton of great tag teams. They deserve a shot. The Usos were defending against any and everybody. I hope that Zayn and Owens, if they're going to remain the champions, will do the same. And finally, number four, uh, the draft uh, all show long. It was great seeing guys like JBL, Rob Van Dam, uh, Teddy Long, Michael Hayes, Shawn Michaels, and the Road Dog come out to announce the draft picks. Uh, in my opinion, SmackDown won the draft so far as of uh, Friday night, uh, getting Roman Reigns, uh, getting uh, members of the bloodline like Solo Sokoa, Paul Heyman. Uh, they also got the club. Uh, Raw got, did great with getting Imperium, and that means the Intercontinental title moves over to Monday Night Raw. But I just think that SmackDown overall with getting a lot of great females um, and, and Roman Reigns is, is moving forward in the right direction. The only draft pick I didn't agree with was Bianca Belair as the second draft pick. I get that they want the uh, Raw Women's Champion on SmackDown now, which means I guess that Rhea Ripley will be going to Raw uh, and, and they're going to switch belts, but Bianca Belair, in my opinion, is not a second round draft pick. She's more along the lines of a fifth or a sixth, but that's fine. That's just me. And now, moving on to the low light reel. There weren't a lot of low lights on uh, a lot of the shows, but this is what we got for you. Uh, number one, how much they promoted Bad Bunny on Monday Night Raw. This guy's face was shown all show long, either in a vignette or a hype promo or when he finally got to the arena and beat the crap out of Damian Priest with a kendo stick. Um, I understand he's the host of Backlash. I understand backlash is in Puerto Rico, and I understand that they want to make Puerto Rico a destination vacation for people again. But my God, every time they went to commercial, insult the comp tonight, it's Bad Bunny. Jesus Christ. That's a little bit too much, WWE. Every waking moment of the show for that guy's name to be mentioned is ridiculous. Number two, the opening vignette with NXT talent talking about tonight's card for NXT Breakout. It was a little hockey, you know what I mean? Everybody's out there, barbecue, guys are playing football. You know, I would have rather them been at an actual beach than a park, and I would have liked it to have been a little more kitty, you know, building a sandcastle and, and, you know what I mean, running around, a bully kicking the sandcastle over, you know, the water, whatnot. It was just really, really campy and, 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 and stupid. And 
it was, I don't know, it, I just didn't enjoy it. It was a weird way to open up NXT Spring Break. Number three, uh, Braun Breaker and Andre Chase was way too short. I get you're building up Braun Breaker to be a monster now and a heel, but he went through Andre Chase in two and a half minutes, and you guys have been building Andre Chase on NXT for months as this teacher slash wrestler. He and Duke Hudson have been a decent tag team. They've had great matches with everybody on the card, and now Braun Breaker just rips through him again for the second time in two weeks in two and a half minutes. It's ridiculous. You know what I mean? I know you, and then they had Breaker come back and take out Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams, but oof, you know. Uh, number four, Wardlow versus the Jobber on AEW. That matchup again was around two and a half to three minutes. We saw five power bombs for no reason. And then, of course, Arn Anderson is now with Wardlow, which I like. But the mystique on Wardlow has run out. You 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 ruined all that when you cut his hair and you had him drop the title for no reason to Hobbs. And then what happened with MJF and all the BS that you put him through. It's just not working out. Build him normal now. Build him like a normal wrestler. Allow him to have some decent matches. Don't make him go through everybody like a hot knife through butter. And allow him to actually be built up normal. And maybe we can respect him. But if you're going to do it like this, then my God, you're basically making him no better than Ryback. But maybe that's what you want. And number five, again, from AEW, Dynamite. It's the uh, Blackpool Combat Club's uh, attack on the Elite and Takashita. My God, how many nights in a row, how many weeks in a row, how many times are we going to be forced to end the show on either John Moxley bleeding or John Moxley causing somebody to bleed? It's the same thing week in and week out, and I'm getting tired of it. I am really, really, really tired of the blood for no reason. If there does not need to be blood, if this is not going to end up in blood and guts, which we know it is, then this is all for nothing. And then apparently after AEW went off the air, they got an interview with Kenny Omega in the ring. He said, let's go where we could just be the, the two of us and not let anybody else get involved. And apparently next week on AEW, there is going to be a cage match uh, between Kenny Omega and John Moxley. I'm going to say the under over is five minutes whether uh, on whether Moxley bleeds or not. Within the first five minutes, I'm going to go with the under. Under five minutes before Moxley starts bleeding. This has all just been ridiculous. They are really, really pushing Moxley and Omega further than the champion right now. And it's getting dumb. That's all I got to say, though. So, with that being said, that's going to do it for us here this week. I want to thank you guys for joining me. Uh, I want to once again tell you to go ahead and listen to the Nothing But Trouble podcast, starring myself and the rest of my buddies. Uh, this week is, again, Star Wars. It is part two. It is a two-part series, our second part for the Star Wars saga. This time we're talking about all the new stuff and everything that's happened in the three new video, uh, new movies that they put out in the last couple of years. Um, go ahead and check out the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Yes, I did lose my trivia crown last week on the We Can't Wrestle podcast, but it happens. And Nate Maxson, congratulations. I do want my rematch eventually, and we'll see what happens there. And check out all the great shows here on WrestleNet Radio, such as The Slice of Time 
beer that was and of course the show that you're listening to right now so thank you once again have a great night and i will see you next time on if you smell what the arch is cooking <laughs>